Welcome to Shift, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that includes everything you need to ace your ACT. A full textbook, tons of questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, a built-in study planner, and full-length practice exams. You can get a free trial by going to achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets your 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Hamada from Right Track Admissions. Really excited to have him on the show. Hamada, I'd love if you could just introduce yourself and your company and uh, tell us a little bit more about your background. Thanks, Tyler, for having me. So again, my name is Hamada. I'm the founder and CEO of Right Track Admissions, a global admissions consulting company. We're based out of California, but we're really agnostic to where our clients are from. They could be from East Coast, West Coast, or anywhere globally. And we focus on college and graduate school admissions, really with a, a hyper focus on the story crafting, storytelling process, and really the whole process all around that kind of the, the landscape, the ecosystem of college admissions. Yeah, fantastic. And um, really just uh, excited for today's episode, which is a deep dive on basically not just building a college list, but like what are the selection factors and how you should be evaluating colleges? Because I feel like um, in the past we've had people on and we've talked about building a college list kind of like from like a high level. I'm excited to kind of get into the details here with you. Fantastic. So let's to start things off. I mean, I think it's important to just start with kind of like why this stuff is important, right? Um, I mean, yeah, it's kind of maybe a facetious question because obviously where you go to college is important. It, it's four years of your life. But I think it's also going to be helpful for you to kind of enumerate like why it's important in the sense of like what you're looking at, like how you're thinking about the process, why it's important to take the process seriously. I mean, it's a great question and I'm glad we're starting with that. And I think it's really something that you want to be thinking about, not just a month before you apply, but you want to be thinking about this. It could be, you know, six months, even a year, two years. And I think it's important for parents and the students to have a general idea from what are they looking for in terms of a college education? So let's go macro, right? And then mm -hmm. selecting the right school really is a process of elimination down to your core schools and then diversifying it, which we, I, you know, I hope we have an opportunity to talk about towards the end of this mm -hmm. uh, podcast. But from a selection process, why is it important to figure out the right school? The reality is about a third of college students drop out of college. And the reasons they drop out really comes down to rising costs, which, you know, are going to be important in terms of picking the right school, right? Because one of the factors is going to be financial aid and picking a school right. that's affordable. And that happened to me. I had an option between USC as an undergraduate and UCSB. And I went with UCSB because it was about a third of the price because I was a California resident. So that was part of my decision-making factor. Um, mm -hmm. There is mental health issues that trip up students when they start, because I think a lot of them end up going to the wrong school uh, which really sets them back. They don't have the right community, the right support. They don't feel mm -hmm. uh, they don't feel that the school is the right fit for them because they just jump the gun and they pick the wrong school, and so it can affect their mental health. And so they drop out. There's obviously those that change have changing life circumstances, um, and they just don't feel like there's a right fit in education. But I have to say, even for the last one, if they say, you know what, college is not right for me, I think if you go to the right college, you would probably say, you know what, I'm ready to actually make college work for me even if you didn't think it was the right mm -hmm. fit during the time. So I think it would be, it could be used as a, how do I say, as a, as a crutch by saying college is not for me. While in reality, that, that college 
was not right for them. Um, and I have to say that the right college helps you perform better in school, makes you feel more supported. Your mental health improves, which means your grades improve, which means you could potentially apply for more financial aid because you're an honor student, which would lower the cost. So a lot of those factors that I just mentioned can actually be mitigated if in fact you go to the right cool, uh, college. So that's why I put a lot of emphasis in our mastery guide, which uh, we were talking about earlier, um, mm -hmm. Tyler. Um, I put a lot of, I put a whole chapter about how to select the right school and go from the macro to the micro. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that's basically like the great segue into the next question I had, right? Which is so, okay. Um, if you're starting, like going from macro to micro totally makes sense. And I'd love for you to walk us through that. But first you need to under, you need to be thinking about like, what is your macro comprised of and why, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you kind of establish your priorities and what are kind of some of the categories of priorities that people should be thinking about? So some of the factors that you want to go into your college education, obviously let's go macro macro. Like, why are you going to college? What are the goals that you're trying to achieve? And some quick things that you're thinking of as well, you know, and you may not be thinking of it actively, but it's personal growth, right? It's fine tuning an area of interest of yours that you could really develop through your major, minor, other courses that you take. It's also developing leadership skills. It's developing teamworking skills. It's creating contacts and networks, right? And all of those things are going to help you now. I'm, that's not, let's, let's be realistic. Uh, a 16, 17, 18 year old may not be thinking about all those factors today but they will be applicable to them in two years, five years, 10 years from now. And they're like, wow, I'm glad I chose where I chose to go to school. Um, so I think these are the macro, bigger, bigger factors. <clears throat> As you dissect that, it breaks down to uh, several key factors. I want to kind of run through that list with you, uh, Tyler, if you don't mind. And I think mm -hmm. that will help people better understand, okay, so when I'm looking at schools, what should I be kind of thinking about in terms of different factors? And there's a lot of websites, a lot of people speaking about it out there. It's not going to be new. You're not going to be blown away by what I'm going to say, but at least it kind of you know, puts it all together nice and neat in a bow tie for you to be thinking about. And this is okay. not, in a, not in a particular order. You know, for, first, you want to think about size of the school, right? So there's a schools like your Texas A&M, 50,000 students, Tyler. It's crazy, right? You've got your tiny schools, kind of like your Swarthmore's, your Williams College, which has about 1,000, 2,000. Those are your liberal arts. And again, on the opposite side is your major state universities like Texas A&M. And then you've got your mid-range mid sizes like MITs and so forth, which are about like 10,000, right? So where do you fit? Do you want to have a higher student to faculty ratio? Do you want to have smaller class sizes or do you want to have a huge campus community, which comes with all those additional resources, right? Then there's going to be the location, right? During COVID, that was a big deal. People are like, no, I actually want to be closer to home, um, you know, in terms of, um, the climate, you know, uh, do you want to be in a colder environment, warmer environment, right? As I told you, I chose California for my universities because I wanted to be in a warmer environment. You know, four years is, is a long time. Uh, so you want to be in a place that makes sense. Um, think about urban versus rural, right? So NYU versus Cornell, right? Ithaca versus downtown New York. All those factors go into the location. Then, of course, there's the classics. There's your reputation and ranking, which was a big factor for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that, you know, and that's why I ended up transferring from UCSB to UCLA. Cause again, I kept wanting to go to schools that were in the higher, higher ranked. Um, and so you want to think about that. It shouldn't be, 
necessarily determinative, but there is a correlation between rank and the quality of the education that you receive. I hate to say it, but in some cases, because of the rank and they're high, that means they're getting more funding, that they're getting more, how do I say it? donations, which means that they could get better professors, which means that they could get more resources. So that fits into it. Um, And obviously within that, another factor is faculty and resources, right? The the more the school has money, kind of like Harvard has like a, I think a $30 billion endowment. Maybe I'm getting that number wrong, but a, a, a supremely high endowment, which means that they can poach the best faculty from around the world, right? Um, And then that fits into tuition and financial aid. Schools like Princeton, I believe, give tuition, free tuition to all college students. Harvard does a lot of that. A lot of these top tier schools are doing that, right? So financial aid plays a role into it. Obviously, if you go to a state school, it's cheaper than if you go to a private school or even liberal arts and so forth. Um, The campus vibe, that's a hard one to nail because it's really kind of, um, it's your gut feeling, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that, um, I mean, so you've touched on, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your list, but you touched on a couple of things that I feel like are important. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so like location to me, the thing that is important to remember is that oftentimes um, it'll be easier to get a job out of college with a local company from whatever university you're at, right? So like you should hopefully be going to college somewhere that you want to work or that you could work, right? And particularly, you know, this isn't like an ironclad rule, um, but it's one that can be helpful, particularly for like sort of the more technical schools and things like that. Um, and then the second bit I just wanted to jump on also was was talking about tuition financial aid. Um, something that surprised me was that like a substantial portion of people don't pay full price for college tuition. Like it's like almost half or maybe more than half. So it's worth thinking about the financial aid thing almost as a game that you're trying to like maximize the outcome of. I think a lot of like, at least for me, and maybe I was naive, but when I was applying to college, I was just kind of like, okay, like I'm not going to let financial aid dictate where I go or not. I will want to go to the best school. Um, But in reality, like, you know, I was lucky that that worked out for me, but that doesn't always work out for everybody. Right. Um, So it's important to like plan ahead for that. And then talking about the vibe, I mean, I feel like campus visits are important for that. That's something we were going to cover later. Um, Or you could, you know, quickly touch on like ways to screen for vibe now. Do you also feel like there's, you know, social or some like social media accounts or some other way to do that? Yeah. And so. Let me let me quickly just touch on some of the questions, uh, some of the points that you mentioned, uh, and I want to follow up with mm-hmm. that financial aid. I always tell, as a rule of thumb, Tyler, I like you very much would rather pick a top tier school with less financial aid than a, a lower ranked school that just throws money at you because a it's lower ranked, so they it's maybe like more cost effective, and they've got more mm-hmm. money because they really want to attract someone of your caliber. So. I, for example, uh, as I said, went to UCSB, then transferred to UCLA, went to a state school. It was cheaper. But I always say in my last year, because I had done exceedingly well in, in college, I was able to go to the mm-hmm. honors program and just say, hey, listen, guys, I got a great GPA. Is there any way I can get financial aid, extra financial aid? And they gave me a whole list of scholarships. And I applied to three, four, and I got like two of them or something. And I had more money right. than what they call cost of attendance. Point is, what you enter in is not necessarily set in stone. A, you could lose your scholarship and financial aid if you perform poorly, but if you perform well and you had nothing going in, 
right? But if you perform well in college, you could get financial aid in college. So you can go to that school that didn't give you anything. And then you end up graduating debt-free, which is what I was able to do. So um, it definitely is not set in stone and it is a moving target. And the better you perform in school, the higher chances you're going to get more financial aid. Now, let me touch on the campus vibe. You're 100% right. Going there in person is the best way by far, right? Um, number one, but there's people that can't do that, right? They can't afford to go and do that. It's too far for them and so forth. So you get campus vibe from different mechanisms that you could do remotely, such as mm -hmm. virtual tours, connecting with a student, alumni, right? right? Trying to see if they have any kind of remote uh, classes that you can like audit. So if they've got a class, you can be like, listen, you know, to the admissions office, I'd like to just check out this class. Are you guys recording it? Yes, we are. Then they can kind of like tune in and see how that looks, right? They could also mm -hmm. check out, like you said, the social media accounts. There's their, you know, their Instagram accounts. Um, their you could also LinkedIn maybe see like uh, what types of clubs there are, right? Because I think a, a school that has like, I don't know, an anime club is very different from a school that doesn't yeah. <laughs> in a lot of, in a lot of vibe ways yeah, for better look, or for worse. And, and another one is in addition to like really kind of hyper-focused clubs, having a great sports team and sports program also kind of changes the dynamic of the school, right? So again, right. At UC, UCSB, their school, their sports wasn't like their biggest thing, even though obviously they had sports, but when you get to UCLA, I mean, people swear by the basketball team, by the football team. And so it carries the vibe of the school as well. Also the Greek system, right. if they have a big Greek system, UCSB had a big Greek system. So that also changes a little bit of the vibe of the school. Um, so there's ways to screen for that remotely if you don't have a chance to go in person, but in person is the best way. Um, Very cool. Let me quickly go through a couple of the last uh, 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 factors that you want to think about. Think about the network. In mm -hmm. addition to the campus vibe, you want to think about the network of the students in terms of like, where is it? And it goes actually, excuse me, Tyler, you mentioned this is actually a perfect segue. You said there is a bit of a rule of thumb. Now you went to Carnegie Mellon, right? And remind mm -hmm. me again, that's in Pennsylvania, correct? Pittsburgh, yeah. Pittsburgh, and if right. you okay. if, if you were applying to jobs in Pittsburgh, they'd love to talk to you, right? Like I think a lot of Carnegie Mellon people went into tech, so they ended up in San Francisco Bay Area or New York or LA. Right. And... Um, I think generally speaking, my, like a, a lot of experiences I've seen other people have, particularly people that are maybe not like, you know, that are working in an industry that's not like tech where it's really only in like a city or two, right? right. Like if you're, um, that your college is going to have the most clout in your local area. So yes. it'll be the easiest to get a job in your local area. And right. also the other aspect, which I think is part of the network thing that you're about to talk about, is that you probably have alumni from your college that work at local companies. Exactly, exactly. But here's the, here's the kicker. I 100% agree with you. So you don't live in Pittsburgh, right? No, not, no, not anymore. Exactly. And when you factored that decision, you knew likely you were going to Carnegie Mellon because it's one of the top tech schools uh, and, and, a, and a super highly ranked. So you know that a lot of companies are going to be agnostic to the fact that, you know, that you, that you were not going to be based in Pittsburgh, but that you're going to go nationally. And that's part of the decision factor is to go to a higher ranked school, right? Like go to UCLA, you could still get a job with a UCLA degree outside of Los Angeles, outside of California, in New York. But if you go to a school like maybe Vanderbilt, great school, f super mm -hmm. focused on Tennessee, 
right? But still has a good reputation across the board. Rice, Emory, super small, I mean, states that you think they're really state located, but they have that reputation. You go to a school like mm-hmm. maybe Southern Methodist out in Texas, maybe somebody in California is like, I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm going to give somebody from UCLA or you know UC Irvine priority over somebody from Southern Methodist because I don't know students from there. And it goes back to the alumni. So if you know that you're going to stick around in Dallas, Houston, in in Austin. You may want to go to a, a state school in Texas and focus there. What do we know, Tyler? Is that we're so freaking mobile. Millennials, Gen Z, Gen X are so mobile that you have no idea if you're going to stick around in your neighborhood, unlike our parents, and we're going to be going somewhere right. else. So that's why the higher ranked school is, to me, mission critical or a school that really is great in a specific area of your major. Because that's right. going to play a role more so than trying to go to school where you're going to tap into the alumni of that local community versus going to a school that's got such a great network nationally, regionally, maybe even internationally, if that's where you want to go. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I also think the other thing, too, is you touched on it just now, um, having a deep network in a particular field, right? Like I'm yeah. imagining Texas Tech probably has a great network in oil and gas industries, if that's something right. you want to do, right? right? Like things like that, I think right. also is another consideration too. Exactly. And again, I have to keep giving you this caveat. We're not even in, I mean, Tyler, what you studied, what I studied, I'm a lawyer. You know, you studied at Carnegie Mellon, but we're both entrepreneurs or both in the academic space. You, you know, rewind, you know, rewind the clock back to when we went to college. We never probably expected ourselves to be where we are right? So even if you hyper-focus on a certain area, unless you're going to medical school or something, chances are you may Mm -hmm. even change your career. So even if you hyper-focused, you may get out of that rhythm and go somewhere else. So think about that is that we are in such an malleable world that we don't even know where we're going to live or what field we're going to cover. So don't Mm hyper-focus on a school that just focuses on one area because we don't even know if you're going to change that. But that also plays a role into the academic programs. Imagine you really wanted to be in, um, uh, like UCLA does not have a strong business school for undergraduates. It's got an economics program. It's got an accounting program. But unlike USC, it doesn't have an international business program, to my knowledge, unless that changed this year. But they've got a great business school, Anderson. So maybe people would be like, no, I'm not going to go to UCLA. I'm going to go to USC because it's got an international business program than UCLA. And that may factor into your decision-making process. And then finally, I'll add to that and kind of roll off of, of factors is the career development office. You know, like, do you, you want to go to a school that has good support services and resources, including a career development office that will help place you in terms of job placements, job opportunities? Are you going to go to a school that has a lot of recruitment there, right? Because if you mm-hmm. go to a lower tier school in the middle of like, I don't know, just nowhere in Nebraska, maybe some of the top companies are not going to go all the way out there to recruit students. So you want to be thinking about recruitment and how much the career center actually places people, how much they make, you know, how much students make after they graduate. All these are going to be parts right. of the many factors that you're going to be thinking about for school selection. Yeah. And how do you get that information? Do you just reach out to the uh, career services office and ask or like, do you try to look it up online maybe? To be honest, it's a great question, and I think you can hit it from three ways. One, uh, if you ever get interviewed by that school, I, you know, and we can we can talk about this on another, you know, maybe in another uh, podcast. But there's a whole world of college interviews, and you want to ask the right questions. And asking mm-hmm. the right questions in an interview 
is, is, is super important. That's a great question to ask is asking them like, what are the percentages of students getting jobs and being recruited from your school? Right. Because that would factor into my decision. That's the question you would ask the interviewer. Right. So that's one way is asking the interviewer if you get interviewed. Another way, obviously, is going to their school website and going to the career center website of that school and seeing if that information is readily available. And the third way, obviously, is calling, literally calling the career development office say, I'm applying to your school, but sell me. What are the statistics of recruitment? And they got to do it. Look, they want your money as, bad, as much as you want their education. So at right. the end of the day, these are great questions to ask. And you can reference that in the why school essay and say, having spoken to Bob at the career development office, I saw how much effort is put into student recruitment and helping students get jobs afterwards, which is one of the factors that, you know, is, is very much a pull factor for me to come to your school. Right. Yeah. I think that's all super important. And I think also just like the, having the attitude of like, I think so many people when they're applying to college are kind of like, please, please pick me. Right. But you're also making a purchase. Like you're actually like, that shouldn't be so powerless, right? Like you should be thinking about how, um, what you want and trying to be like pushing back a little bit or, or seeking that out. Yeah, you're interviewing them like being... they're interviewing you, Taylor. That's exactly what they're what you're doing. It's it's a two way street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, precisely. Well, yeah. So then, one now that we've kind of got like, what are the different priorities? Um, I mean, how do you keep track of all this as you're going through and doing your research? And I'd love to walk through the research process. Sure. So, um, I gave you guys a list of like a series of maybe eight, ten factors, right? And exactly, actually, you just alluded to it, um, Taylor, is prioritize them and what matters to you more. You may say, I want, I want to prioritize a school that's really hyper-focused on DEI, right? So diversity is critical for me. I want to go to a school. I feel, I feel welcome. I feel safe, right? You could be, you know, uh, of, a, of a certain identity group that you just feel like that's very important for you to kind of, how do I say, build, nurture, grow. And so you want to go to school that's more important to you than rank. Some people are going to be wanting to go to school that's going to be more affordable than rank. Some people are going to go to want to, you know, so uh, prioritize those, those for you. Once you've prioritized it, I want you to kind of create what we call a college tracker. And I actually share this link with you. Um, let's give it to you guys for free um, uh, that you guys can use. Very basic, bare bones. I'm not going to give you something uber sexy. It's not going to be something like, you know, uh, an app, but it is a Google spreadsheet so that it's, it's in the cloud. So that's dynamic. You can edit it on your phone, on any computer. You can share it with your parents. You can share it with your friends. so Other people can see it and edit it. And it basically has a series of columns. And those series of columns are kind of divided up into those areas that we just talked about, those priority areas that um, I just mentioned. And I'll just kind of you know, you want to have like the first column has the name and the location of the school. The second column has where you prioritize that. And we'll talk a little bit about that, what we call reach target and safety schools and where that school kind of fits into it. Then you mm -hmm. have um, like the academic requirements. Well, uh, it, it requires GPA of X, you know, if it's still applicable, if the school is test optional, maybe it's X uh, SAT score, you know, maybe mm -hmm. it's X TOEFL score, whatever it is. Then you have a column that's the application requirement. Guys, this is super important that you, that you have a place on your spreadsheet that tells you the application requirements for a couple of reasons. 
And in the application requirements, I want you to be thinking about the essays, the prompts, mm -hmm. the number of words, right? As well as the number of letters of recommendation, as well as the length of the, of the, of the resume and any other requirements. And the reason it's important is A, it helps you keep track of what you have to create. So you don't lose track of it. Because that's so, it, there, it sucks if you actually submit an application, you completely drew a blank on this one requirement and you submitted an incomplete application. And trust me, the schools don't have an obligation to contact you and say, hey, can you complete your application? They've got thousands right. of applicants, so they're not going to bother. And then you're going to come back in five months and be like, why did I get rejected? Oh, well, the reason you got rejected is because you didn't even have a complete application and you're going to bang your head against the wall. The second reason right. is because you may write an essay. Let's, I'll give an example. Uh, I have it up right here in front of me. Um, uh, we'd like to know a little bit more about you. Please respond to one of the following questions. Uh, it's cool to love learning. What excites you about intellectual curiosity? Where uh, are you on your journey of engaging uh, with the fighting for social justice, right? So these are some questions that Tufts asks you. Well, guess what? Lo and behold, you're reading through it and I mean, I, I'm just pulling this out of nowhere. Maybe MIT asks the same question. Maybe Carnegie Mellon asks the same question, right? So now you know that one essay you can repurpose for several schools. And if you had all the requirements of all the schools in front of you on a spreadsheet, you can you can start creating a material arsenal of essays that you can then repurpose and retool for different schools, right? And, and tweak them without getting lost and recreating the wheel every time. Um, and then finally, the last couple of columns you want to have is why that school. So, you know, uh, using me, UCLA, I want it to be closer to family in a big metropolitan city in a highly ranked school that was affordable, that had a good history major when I was studying. So right. those are your reasons. You put that into that column and then you can quick reference them as you go through the process. The costs, the deadlines, the status of the submission submitted on the way, still have to collect this document. And finally, any notes you have. Went to Carnegie Mellon, met with Tyler, had a really great conversation, right? Put that in the notes. And then you could use that in the why essay. You can use that in the interview. You can use that in the essays, right? That's what I want you to have, this kind of dynamic document that you can then use for all the schools to kind of keep track of everything. And then please, please right. plug in the deadlines in a calendar because that spreadsheet's not mm. going to give you alerts if you're running out of, if you're, you know, if you're coming too close to it. But if you've got two weeks to submission and really this matters, guys, if you're applying EA, ED, right? Uh, early action, mm -hmm. early decision, you know, early decision, you know, part two, there's two types of early decisions, restrictive early action, you know, rolling, a, rolling decision, but, er, you know, applying, uh, uh, how do I say, excuse me, regular decision, but applying on the rolling admission cycle. So trying to apply early, get those deadlines in your calendar so that they alert you two weeks in advance, one week in advance and the day of the deadline. So you don't miss any deadlines, especially for those who are applying early. Yeah, no, that all makes a ton of sense. And I think another tip that will probably be helpful is to share that calendar uh, probably both with your parents and with your if you have somebody like right track admissions or or another counselor that you're working with right um you can at least in google calendar which is what i use you can create like a separate calendar you can title it you know college admissions deadlines and then you can share just that calendar and not your whole calendar uh, ah, like with, your, with your parents and things like that. Um, you want everybody kind of to get on the same page. And I really like your idea of like taking the essay prompts 
and trying to like figure out where the cross sections are yep. so that you have to write less essays overall. I think a little bit of prep here can save you a lot of work in the future. Yeah, 100%. And we've, and we've done this with our clients to save them money because I'm going to be like, guys, there's no reason to apply 10 schools with us. Apply to four, five, six. With those six schools, we're going to create 15 unique essays. And those 15 unique essays for those six schools are going to help you apply to another six or seven schools on your own because we've already created the tools that you need to retweak them for the other schools without you having to involve us. And that will save your parents money. Right. Yeah. Well, and as a parent, I bet <laughs> you like to save money. Um, cool. Well, then let's talk about how to do the research portion, right? So you've got your spreadsheet, let's say. Um, you talked about macro to micro at the beginning of the call, and I'm curious what that means to you and, and kind of how that is the, the baseline for or the starting point um, for your process. Yeah. So look, there's so much out there uh, in terms of how to find information about the schools. So what I like to do is I like to start with um, just to get a sense of what's out there. Um, I, I start usually with U.S. News World Report. We know that, that that U.S. News Report is one of the more, how do I say it, um, well-recognized rankings, ranking, but it's also taken a hit. Because some schools have 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 thought felt that that ranking is uh, too subjective. It doesn't it doesn't it's not backed by certain numerical factual information. So some schools have withdrawn their their own uh, school from that ranking, refused to be partake in it. But that I think is yeah. more for law school. I think I think it's still definitely like the for me it's sort of the still the number one only game in town when it comes to ranking. I agree. I agree. There was Vault had uh, had at some point uh, a publication. There's a couple other schools that have it. I think I, I'm Barons, I think, but you know these are old schools. So I usually like U.S. News World Report. I would even pay a little bit extra for the subscription so that you can kind of dig into the finite information and start with mm-hmm. that, right? Because you'll start with let's say geography. Then you'll go into kind of like rankings and then you're going to try to find some intersectionality and then say, okay, I know I want to be in California. I know, or excuse me, I know I want to be on the East Coast. So East versus West, or I'll start my search on the East Coast. I know I want to go to the main city. So you got Boston, DC, Chicago, New York, right? Um, We go for those four big. Then I'm going to start searching schools that are in those cities that are ranked within the top 50, 60. So now you've boiled down that. So that's where I would start with US News and start creating a, a long, you know, a longer list. I'm not gonna call it a short list, but a longer list, right? Now that you've got a longer list, let's dig a little deeper. And that's where you start going to the individual school websites and poke around there, but have like a method to the madness. What are you looking for? Right. So maybe you go to your the department of the major you're interested in. Maybe you go to their sports programs. Maybe go into their latest news. Right. So you go into their journals, their newspapers. Um, you know, things are coming up, you know. Uh, so start searching for those kind of factors and then use the website to fill in the information from the factors that we had just mentioned. Also jump to social media. People neglect it, but you've got their Instagram accounts, you've got their LinkedIn accounts, you've got um, I think you've got uh I don't want to sound dated. I doubt you can, I mean, yeah, I don't even know if schools have their TikTok accounts, but at least through uh, Instagram, oh, excuse me, Twitter is what I was thinking of, even though now we've got threads coming out of left field. So you've got these, <laughs> you've got all these, these social media accounts, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, and, and Instagram, I think are going to be your three big ones for schools. Take a look at them. They're going to feature students, athletes, 
faculty, um, you know, latest news. And that's going to really kind of give you that kind of real-time up-to-date information. Then you can go check out, now that you've kind of got that information, then I would go check out like student reviews. I don't know if you've checked this out, Tyler, but College Confidential or Niche, niche or Unigo. Uh, I don't Cool. Swear. I actually, uh, yeah, those are all great rec- recommendations. Thank you. Yeah, I don't swear by them because a lot of people can obviously put whatever they feel that may have impacted their experience. But I think it's good to poke around and just check out what those what those websites are saying or other uh, uh, blogs out there. Uh, or even, by the way, YouTube is another one because you can go to YouTube and see what people are saying about that university and like they're right. doing their own tours now that I think about it. Um, attend the college fairs, info sessions that they may have. Get the people's names, please because you're going to reference that in the Y school essay, go to your counselors, your high school counselors. If they are, if they're overwhelmed, this is a crazy fact, Tyler. And if you knew this 480 students per high school counselor in America, it's nuts. So (laughs) that's, they they are barely able to help even like one person almost. It seems exactly, which is again, where we found this void and why we created the uh, right track, but your mentors who may know about the schools, talk to current students, talk to alumni of that school. That's huge. Get their names. Um, I talked about, you know, virtual tours if they have those. And since COVID, a lot of those schools also have that as an option. And then we talked about the campus visits. So you can see, you start from the macro of let's figure out what schools are out there all the way down to let's figure out what happened yesterday on campus that could be interesting for me to know. All right. Yeah, that all makes sense. And then um, as you're going through this, I mean, you talked a little bit about this earlier, right? But um, yeah, you're, you're kind of trying to like get a little bit of the social vibe and social network going with the yeah. people that are there right so you mentioned yeah. i really like this tip write the names down of all the people that you met um and make sure that you can reference them in like your essay right yep um and i also think then you know that kind of leads to just like something that i think we want to talk about a little bit um which is just like making the most of that campus visit like is there any any other tips you have in that regard yeah look um, there's a couple of, there's some good companies out there that do some of this stuff. Uh, I know that we had worked with in the past with college scoops, which creates guidebooks and then also to help parents kind of figure out what they should do on campus. But here's a couple of quick tips. So when you get to campus guys, first thing you want to do just to acclimate is get an official tour. And I like these official tours because they're usually done by students. I used to see them all the time. I don't know about you, Tyler, when you were mm-hmm. out there in college, but you see these guys wearing those hats and they're running around campus with a whole like like in tow <laughs> with the parents and the students, everybody's like wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. And this person's dropping knowledge and cracking jokes and giving stats and stuff like that. So that, that official tour will take you through campus buildings, residence halls, recreation facilities, you know, cafeterias, right? So they'll show you a nice behind the scenes. So you get a good session, you get a good idea. Then if they have an info session on campus, do that as well. Again, so that you hear straight from the horse's mouth. Because typically... Those info sessions are done by the admissions office, right? So you can figure out what they're looking for. Uh, If you've got an opportunity and you can schedule it, meet with faculty, right? Or audit a class. Go check out a class. You know, you went and saw like, I don't know, Sociology 101. You can mention that. 
in your essay, having attend, you know, having attended an audited sociology 101 where I saw the dynamic of the students and the interactions and the way that the teaching, the pedagogy of the class really excited me and wanted me, you know, I wanted to be part of that community, right? You could literally mention that stuff in your essays. You know, check out the facilities, the libraries, walk through them, uh, the research centers, the sports, you know, like where the gym is. And then if you have the right. opportunity, obviously talk to the current students and like we just said, get their names. Figure out when they're going to graduate because in the essay, you can say, having spoken to Bob Smith, class of 2026, you know, he mentioned how great the student to faculty ratio is and how much he's learning from that experience. Great. Mention it. Um, don't, two other quick factors that people sometimes neglect. Get out of the school, right? You are in Pittsburgh, Tyler. You know, okay. Pittsburgh's a big city and it's got its own crazy vibe, right? So that's a big yep. factor. You want to go into Pittsburgh and you're going to be spending time there, right? I started in UCSB. So I wanted to check out what Santa Barbara or Goleta were all about. I went to UCLA. So I want to know what Westwood is about or LA. So you want to check out what the, what the, what the community is all about, the, the city, right? Um, and then if the campus has any events, like any sporting events, performances, guest lectures, Take advantage of that. Go to those because then you can see how the students interact and ask questions and things like that. So that's, I think, how you can do it. And my pro tip to you is take notes, take pictures, take video. If you're going to go to 10 schools on this crazy school you know, journey, a lot of parents do this with their kids uh, in the summer before they apply, the kids are going to forget, trust me, they're going to they're forget what the hell is going on from one school to the next school. So if you have like a folder on Google Drive or something where you drop those pictures in, the videos in, take copious notes on like a Google document, then when it comes time to actually choose, not only write about why the school, Tyler, but choosing the school, mm -hmm. you may have four schools to choose from. And then you're going to be like, wow, I completely forgot what the vibe on NYU was like. Go back to your pictures, go back to your videos, go back to your notes. And that will help you make that decision when you've got a couple of schools to choose from. Got it. Yeah, that's great. And I think that that also is like a really nice setup for the next thing we're going to talk about, right? Which is what's the purpose of all this? It's to help you narrow down your list. Right. Like you started with your big list, right? And right. I'm sure that, um, you know, everyone's list is going to be different. But basically, no matter how you started your list, you should try to end your list with you know max 10 right but probably more right. like five schools right um and i mean i'm i'm curious sort of i mean that's just my opinion right so i'm curious what right. you think as far as total number and also um yeah just like how you walk people through like narrowing down the list so now exactly to your point now that we've gone through all the factors we've told you how to make the research now you're like mom dad i've got a list of 15. now some high schools will limit the number of schools you can actually apply to. They'll actually put a, a, a cap on it. Uh, others may not. But I actually err on the side of push it to more schools than less. Because in the end of the day, you want to have the highest chance of admission and the highest chance of getting admitted to several schools where you can then negotiate or like what you want to call reconsideration, uh, financial aid packages. I think we mentioned that Tyler in the beginning, right? Where you can actually talk from one school to the next and say, listen, I got into NYU, but I really want to go to your school, Columbia. Can you, you know, sweeten the pot and give me something like what Columbia has given me or NYU is giving me, right? So right. the way I try to divide it up is think about schools and think about it in a bell curve. 
So on one end of the bell curve is the reach schools. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the middle of the bell curve is the target schools. And on the opposite end of the bell curve is the safety schools. The bulk of your concentration should be targets. And again, using that reach to uh, safety, along the route is what I call high targets or high reaches, mid-tier reaches, and low-tier reaches. High targets, mid-targets, low targets, and the same with safeties. What does that look like? In terms of chances of admission, and again, this depends on your profile, your score, all the kind of factors that schools look at. You re- the, the, the reach schools are the ones that you have like about a 1% chance of admission. What's that look like? Princeton, Harvard, uh, Stanford, Yale, right? Those kind of schools, those Ivy Leagues. Uh, 1% chance of admission to about 15. That's your reach schools. And if you're looking at numbers, those really you should be applying anywhere from one to four reach schools. So that's on that bell curve. Then the bulk of your of your application should be targets. And that's, you have about a 15 to 40% chance of admission, right? Where like a high target would be 15 to 25, mid target would be 25 to 35, low target would be 35 to 40, right? And of course, this really depends on your own background. What Tyler, your targets are may be completely different to what my targets are because, you know, SATs are different or GPA is different or your profile is different. Right. So- when doing that, again, think about your bell curve. That's where you want to have the bulk of the schools you're applying to. So anywhere from four to eight target schools, right? And that should be the, the, the focus. The reaches are the moonshots. The targets are attainable, right? But you got to work hard to get them. And then you've got your safeties, which is the opposite of the bell curve. And that's where you've got a 40 plus percent chance of admission, 40 to, I don't know, let's mm-hmm. say 90 chance of admission. But my little pro tip on that is don't apply to a bunch of schools that you would never want to go, see yourself going to. Because otherwise, what was the point of spending that money and time? So you want to go to schools that right. you still feel, still feel like, yeah, I guess if push came to shove, I would go to that school. Again, those are your safety schools. Uh, and those should be anywhere from one to four safety schools. And you should have some just in case to hedge. Though, you may come back and say, you know what? If I had to end up going to a safety, I'd rather go to community college, save a hell of a lot of money, and then get into a, a, a better ranked school as a community college student, which is very fair. It will save you money. It will allow you to check out a bunch of different fields so you can you can then figure out what your best major is. Um, and it may be better than going to a safety. But you may say, no, I don't want to go to community college. Or your parents say, no, they would much rather have you go to a, uh, a safety school and just go through that. Guys, I went to, I wouldn't call UCSB a safety school, but I did transfer from UCSB to UCLA. It's hard to transfer from a four-year to four-year, but it's possible I did. And it could be something that you can consider. For sure. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, building your list and what you've talked us through right now is pretty focused on um, like the chances of admissions, right? Uh, but yeah. I also think that, or I'd also be curious to hear about as you're narrowing down your college list, like how you pull in all the other factors that we talked about earlier in the episode, right? Like right. the vibe of the campus and things like that. Like, does that, is that just trying, that information is trying to help you narrow down within these segments or is there anything else that you no. try to think about? I think that's I think that's a great point. Look, in the end of the day, you know you've got these buckets to fill because that is the reality. It's chances of admission. You don't want to go like, oh, 
these 10 schools have great vibes. Well, if those 10 schools are all reach schools, then what's the point? You're not going to, you may not get in. So you've got to be realistic and you've got to divide it up in terms of chances of admission. I'm not talking about rank. I'm talking chances of admission. That being said, once you've, you've got, let's say six reach schools, use the factors to narrow those six to the three that you're going to apply to, right? Where vibe kicks in, where, uh, ranking kicks in, where financial aid kicks in, where career development offices kick in, right? So use those as how do I like your own silos. You know, you want to apply to one to four reach schools. You know, you've got six on your list. Use the factors to narrow those six down to three so that you, you have a kind of a good medley of schools that factor in what you're looking for and what you've prioritized. But you have to have to be realistic. There's nothing worse than having a bunch of people uh, apply to Harvard or bust kind of schools and then end up like, wow, I didn't get in anywhere and get really disappointed. Right. Well, and, and also you, you want to have, you know, on the other side of things, you want to have safeties that you'd actually want to attend, right? Exactly. So I think, it's, I think it's a really good way to kind of balance it out. Yeah. Um, well, great. I mean, this has all been really helpful. I mean, this basically is going to be like one of our longer episodes. And I think you really helped us walk through the whole selection process and, you know, building from building a list to narrowing it down and, and applying. I, I'm curious if there's anything you kind of wanted to end on or any kind of like concluding or parting thoughts here. Yeah, look, I mean, let me give you one last parting thought. Uh, Hopefully I'll try to keep this brief, but it really, I would feel remiss if I didn't say it, which is now that you've got your list, now you've submitted all your applications and everything, you know, now when you're getting admitted, when you get the, the final results, right, that's also factors into picking the right school. Because, you know, you want to be thinking about a whole plethora of things like how much financial aid did you get? Maybe go back and revisit the campus to make sure that you got the right, the, you know, the campus makes the most sense, right? And attending like the orientation uh, because, you know, it, you know it, it, that can also help you narrow that down in terms of the final school selection. When you, and, and another factor within that is when you get admitted and let's say, you know, hopefully you get into like six, seven, eight schools, do not accept the first school that accepts you. Unless obviously right. it's ED, then you don't have a choice because it's binding. But if it's EA or regular decision, don't immediately select. Take your time, speak with your parents, talk to your advisors, go check out the campus, go to the admit day, um, do more info sessions, talk to alumni. A lot of those factors that we talked about in terms of researching, now reverse them and use them for fine tuning and finalizing. Um, so that again, it's not just picking the schools, it's picking the right school for you. And that's gonna come down to um, that final selection that you'll make around... I don't know, March, April, May, June is kind of where you dig that. And then I guess the final, final right. point is it's not set in stone. Even if you go to that school and you're not happy with it, you can still apply to transfer. The only thing they're going to look at is how well did you do at that school? So you obviously want to do well if you plan to a, a transfer within you know a year and a half. If you have crappy grades and you really want to get into a better school, it's not going to happen. So you obviously mm -hmm. want to do well and then you can transfer out. So it's not set in stone. And again, using me as an example, I transferred out after two years. I loved my first two years of Santa Barbara, but I wanted something different in the end and I went to UCLA. So it wasn't set in stone uh, and I was able to transfer. So those are my final four tips. Ah. 
So, um, <laughs> and then the last thing I know that you and I, uh, when we were doing, we're getting prepared for this, you talked about having a guide that you'd want to share. Do you want to throw out kind of a place to find it or, um, you know, like maybe a bit.ly link or, or a URL placeholder? Yeah, so I'll, I'll put that, we can put that in the show notes uh, at the end. Basically, what we've done is after 15 years of business, uh, I put together a college admissions mastery guide that really breaks everything into three m- main sections, which is the lay of the land, the application components, and then the final mile, because it really is a journey that could last phew, three months, or it's a journey that could last three years, right? Or even more. I mean, we you probably, Tyler, know of parents who are working with their kids as early as middle school to start getting them to be the best college uh, uh, applicants possible. So this guide can really help those uh, parents and those students from as early as like uh, freshman, sophomore year, all the way through to school selection and success in college. So um, I will share with you those links. Um, It's pretty much hot off the press. We finally created after 15 years uh, being in business. And so uh, we are publishing as we speak. Um, and I'll share that information with you. Hopefully your um, your audience will find that useful as well. And it's a, it covers a lot of the stuff we talked about today. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And if you're listening to this and you're curious about this guide, um, check the description notes of this podcast and we'll make sure to include it there. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Hamada from Right Track Admissions. And Achievable has a ACT course that you can get a free trial of by visiting achievable.me. And if you like it, use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout.